Hi, you're listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan Chicago. We're releasing our sermons so that no matter where you were Friday, you can enjoy a piece of Shabbat today. So take a deep breath, relax, and enjoy. So it happens every Hanukkah. There was a couple years ago, it was this Hanukkah display I saw at the grocery store that included boxes of matzah and yartzeit candles. <laughs> and last year, it was a Santa dressed in red and with a sprig of holly in his hat, but also with a talit and holding a menorah for sale on Amazon. And this year, it was a pillow from Bed Bath & Beyond. Maybe some of you saw it. Dark blue, white writing. Why is this night different from all other nights? <laughs> Happy Hanukkah, which is not a bad question to ask. Why is this night different from other nights? It's just a question that we ask on a very different holiday, Passover. The thing is, I really, I actually really love these very well-intended, if a bit misguided, attempts at including Hanukkah among the winter holidays, because in a season where it is impossible, it is impossible to escape from the sights and the sounds of Christmas, that little glimmer of blue and silver among the pervasive reds and greens is a nod to our existence at a time when we can feel very invisible, at a time when the darkness can feel really heavy around us. But I can't help but wonder, what would the ancient progenitors of this holiday feel about the assimilation of Hanukkah into popular culture? So I want us to go back to the year 166 BCE. Jews have been living, this is a little history lesson for you, Jews have been living under the Seleucid Empire for nearly two centuries. And one way that the Greeks attempted to exert control over their subjects and out of a deeply held belief in their cultural superiority was to Hellenize foreign populations, introducing Greek language and dress and food and religious practices to the people living under their rule. And for a lot of Jews, this wasn't so bad. I mean, who doesn't like Spanakopita? The problem, the problem arose when King Antiochus Epiphanes decided that he did not like Jews practicing their own religion in addition to the Greek practices. And so, plonking a giant statue of himself among other deities in the temple in Jerusalem sparked the flame that would grow into the Maccabean revolt. And miraculously, this ragtag group of rebels would eventually reclaim the temple, oust the Seleucid Empire, a military power, and establish the independent Jewish Hasmonean kingdom. This is the origin of the Hanukkah story, the story of a seemingly impossible and very bloody, this is very Game of Thrones, victory led by a group of Jews who had the audacity to say, we're here and we're proud. And no matter the impossibility stacked against us, no matter the odds that we face, we will not let fear lead to hopelessness. Now, some of you are probably thinking, what about the miracle of light? You know, how the Maccabees went to the temple, and they found a jar that only contained enough oil to light the menorah for a single night, and yet somehow it lasted eight nights? So for this story, we actually need to fast forward a few centuries. The Maccabees were great warriors. Unfortunately, they were not very good statesmen. And an internal conflict tore their kingdom apart. And while they were fighting amongst each other, Rome arrived at their doorstep, fresh from successive victories in Asia Minor right next door. And unable to resist, this Hasmonean kingdom, now called Judea, became a client state of this rising empire. 
And there were rebellions, of course. In the spirit of the Maccabees, Jews staged three revolts against the Roman rulers. But each, each of these revolts had more disastrous consequences than the last. When Jews were banned from living in sight of Jerusalem, a ban that would actually be set in place for four to five centuries, when Jews were banned from living in sight of Jerusalem, now raised to the ground, just a smoldering pile of ruins in 138 CE, it was clear that things had changed permanently. So enter the rabbis who radically reinvented Judaism, turning it from a cult centered on sacrificial worship at the temple to the religion that we observe today, focused on individual spirituality and common communal celebration. But Hanukkah, Hanukkah was a problem because observing a holiday about overthrowing your oppressors while living under the most powerful empire that the world had ever seen after three very unsuccessful rebellions was really bad PR. It was just not, it was just not a good idea. And so the rabbis retell the story. And that mi- military victory, that miracle of the impossible overcoming of this empire is replaced by the smaller, but no less significant, miracle of light found in the darkness. In this way, Hanukkah became primed to evolve and change over the centuries as Jews found ourselves in new and sometimes unexpected situations. And this is the part of my Dvar today that I like to call Rabbi Stephen Ruins Hanukkah. (laughs) Let's start with a dreidel. (laughs) You may have heard the story that this spinning top was used by the Maccabees in secret to study Torah under the watchful eye of their Greek oppressors. This is not true. In fact, it was an Irish gambling game. It was introduced to Germany and the Jews living there probably sometime around the 16th century, and it probably doesn't surprise us that the word dreidel comes to us through Yiddish from the German drehen, which means to spin, but the Hebrew sevivon, right, surely what the Maccabees must have called this game, was actually invented in the late 1800s. So what about the humble latke? The fried food that helps us remember the miracle of oil that lit the menorah millennia ago. Surely the Maccabees must have feasted on latkes, right? So these delicious fritters, my favorite, I love them, were actually originally made out of cheese. I know, right? Like, how good is that? Why do we change? Until the potato was introduced to Eastern Europe in the 19th century. And its cousin, the souvgania, that jelly donut that we also love to eat, was a popular confection eaten from Denmark to Russia before making its ways to Jews in Poland. And perhaps the deepest irony of these two foods, given the origins of Hanukkah, is that both the word latka and the word souvgania are derived from Greek. Latka from eladion, meaning a little oil, and souvgania from sphongos, meaning sponge. Now, surely gelt, right? Got to keep gelt, right? Gelt's okay. Isn't gelt a reminder of the coins minted by this newly independent Jewish kingdom? Or is it a practice that we borrowed from our European neighbors when children gave cash tips to their teachers during the holiday season? (laughs) Until inspired by the chocolate coins given out during the very not Jewish St. Nicholas Day, lofts, also a very not Jewish British-American candy company, started to mint the first gelt in 1920. And so we arrive at this moment when the American value of inclusivity and the commercialization of the season 
has shaped Hanukkah in a way that the Maccabees or the rabbis or the Jews living in the shtetl two centuries ago could have never anticipated. And thus we get Hanukkah Harry and Hanukkah bushes and Mensch on a bench and David Diggs singing the timeless classic Puppy for Hanukkah. (laughs) If Judah Maccabee walked into our Hanukkah party this evening, which again you should all come to, I imagine he would be appalled. (laughs) Or would he? Or would he? When working with our Introduction to Judaism students, I like to use Hanukkah as the holiday that best captures the essence of our tradition. Not the high holidays, not Passover, Hanukkah. Because Hanukkah reminds us that the Judaism we practice today was never intended to be static or stagnant, but a living, interpretive tradition that adapts to new realities with tenacity, with creativity, and with a strong will to not only survive, but to thrive. Every time that this holiday evolved, it was a reflection of an unexpected and unanticipated shift in circumstances from that initial rebellion against the Seleucid Greeks to that rabbinic reinvention necessitated by the destruction of the temple, from the dreidel and the latka and sufganiyot, which reflected the growing exchange and interaction between Jewish communities and their neighbors, to the commercialization of Hanukkah today, which as much as that might drive us a bit crazy, as much as we might say, really, Hanukkah Harry? This could only happen because for the first time in Jewish history, and only for 200 years, we have been allowed to become citizens of the countries where we live, fully participating in civic society as equals. And so in each iteration of Hanukkah, I believe that it has remained a bold assertion of Jewish identity and continuity. For there are and there always have been reasons to be very afraid of the darkness around us. But whether you are a staunch traditionalist lighting your Hanukkah at home, or you're somebody who has raided the holiday aisle at Target to decorate your yard with inflatable dreidels and blue and white lights, and the Hanukkah bush is twinkling in your living room, each of you, each of you is making a choice that I believe is of Maccabean proportions to say, I am here, and I am proud, and I will not let the many reasons to be afraid right now lead me to hopelessness. It's my blessing for each and every one of you Whatever your reason for the season, whether you love tradition or love turning it on its head, whether you were born Jewish or chose to be Jewish or not Jewish but count us among your loved ones, is that you find your unique expression of Judaism and with courage and with creativity has guided our people to kindle the lights of Hanukkah for centuries, share it with the world. Shabbat Shalom. Happy Hanukkah. Chodesh Tov. You've been listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan, Chicago. If you enjoyed this sermon and want to join us live, tune into Shabbat services through Facebook most Fridays of the month and through Zoom two Saturday mornings a month. Our schedule of services and programs can be found at mishkanchicago.org events, where there's also a link to donate and support our work. And you can visit us on Facebook or Instagram at Mishkan Chicago. 
as always, we want to hear from you. On behalf of Teen Mishkan, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>